What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. You know what it is. The marathon matchups edition back to a 12 game slate, which means buckle up, get your coffee ready, sit back and enjoy the show. Cause we're going to give you everything you need for Sunday's main slate, breaking it all down right here. One stop shop for your week eight content and research. I'm Dave Lochran on the Twitters at Lafay underscore D. Hit me up, and while you're there, say hello to my co-host, Matt Savoka, at uh, Draftaholic on Twitter. What's going on, brother? Good to be back with you. Hey, thrilled to be here. Finally made it to Thursday. It's back to a full marathon matchups with 12 games here. And, you know, I got called out on Twitter for saying my patented line now, uh, projection in line with (laughs) salary-based expectations. And... You know, everybody needs a fancy way to say you can play them if you want. And I found mine. Is that so bad? Is that so bad? Really? Listen, good phrases and good words are good phrases and good words. And here's what I say, Matt. Why tuck them under the rug? Use them, right? Use them. I don't care. Be liberal. If it ain't about broke, it. we're not fixing it. Exactly. Exactly. He said that I use the term enig- or the word enigmatic a lot. I do. Tell me there's a better word than enigmatic, though, and I'll I'll wait. So, you know, good words are good words. And, uh, yeah, Matt Riley, if you're going to do it, I'm telling you, I'll give you a free year of Awesome O Plus Platinum, $1,000 value. So yesterday, Matt, I asked people how much money would it take them to do the Mark Davis haircut, right? Some said seven figures. Some said they just, you know, it doesn't matter. I'll do it for 1000 But uh, if they want to do it, they have to come on stream and prove it. And do a segment with us once every two weeks for two months. I'll give them a thousand dollar value. Awesome. O plus platinum. Sounds like a good deal to me. I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I okay. Total tangent. We got a lot of games. We got to get going, but did you see the video interview he did with the backpack on? In that's the what made chair? me. That's what made I cannot me yeah. get over that. And that, that I wish it weren't Halloween week. Cause that is my Halloween costume. And I don't want to wait. 370 days to pull that costume out. hundred percent. Like I actually, no joke. The other day I went online and looked for Mark Davis Halloween costumes and I couldn't find any. I'm serious. Okay. Uh, this is our billion dollar idea right here. It would be great, right? It would be awesome to have Mark. We need the Mark Davis challenge though. Hashtag Mark Davis challenge. You do the haircut and we'll give you some legitimately good stuff at awesome. O. I mean, what a better way to get into your door. And Jordan, by the way, that's a hilarious comment. I can't read it out loud, but that's good stuff in chat. All right, you're right. We do need to get into it, so let's do that. But first things first, hit that thumbs up. If you're watching live, if you're here after the fact, it doesn't matter. We love you anyway. Subscribe to the channel as well. And listen, if you're watching after we went live, because, you know, people, Matt, watch this all the way up to, until Sunday, leave a comment down below. Let us know what you think. Say what's up. Give us your hot takes for the week. All of that good stuff. Um, yes, Matt Gates myriad is great. And another thing, you know, people rip on me for saying champing at the bit opposed to chomping at the bit, which it originated as champing, but myriad, when people use the word of in between myriad and whatever they're using, it's actually incorrect. It's just over time. People continue to get it wrong. And then Matt, what happens is we kowtow to the dummies of the world and then they get you know- the right and then they take over. I'm kind of mixed on that because you know what? Like we collectively own the language. There's no people in a rule that say, well, actually. So I kind of like 
pulling one on the well actually people of the world but i get what you're saying i get what you're saying i wish we could all just like do things you know correctly but i i hear you i hear you i guess i am a a well actually guy when it comes to that nobody (laughs) likes a well actually guy nobody likes me but at that point you gotta just keep going right I prefer That's the right. esoteric ways of of going about the languages, Matt, even though I'm hardly educated myself. So what's it matter? <laughs> all right, let's dive into it. But in all seriousness, you guys can say whatever the hell you want. Uh, as long as you're here hanging out with us every day, don't matter, man. Say whatever you want. I'm here for it. So are you. Tennessee, Indiana, 51 point total. Titans getting one and a half points on the road. They look good lately, and the Colts look pretty good as well. This should just be a fun, like, this is what we need is a Monday night football game, you know, or even a Thursday night or Matt, but still highest total on the 1 p.m. slate of games. Derrick Henry, amazingly, had his worst game of the season despite them steamrolling the Chiefs last week. What are you doing with him at his price point coming into this one? Should be a close, relatively high-scoring game against the Colts. Yeah, you can't go away from him. And in tournaments, you can play Henry even when his ownership is creeping up past 14, 15% as it is this week. But he's proven that his ceiling score is just simply different than everyone else on the slate. And we do have a couple of other options here at the premium running back position uh, or, or the premium running back tier. I should say, but still you're playing Henry in this super high total game. And, you know, there's just a couple of ways this game, the game against Kansas city goes differently. And he has another monster performance. I was looking at that uh, game film and he had a wide open touchdown pass uh, against uh, where AJ Brown ended up getting a touch, uh, the touch, but Henry was wide open in the flat would have had a receiving touchdown, no less, which would have completely changed our perception of Henry here. Nothing has changed about our expectation. He's number two on the slate in expected fantasy points per game and number two amongst running backs in our projection. So it is a little tough considering he's the number one running back in salary, but that's not far enough away to say, no, I can't play him. Never doing that with Henry. No, absolutely not. I mean, listen, I would say that his Projection is in line with salary-based expectations. <laughs> oh, that sounds pretty good, huh? <laughs> okay. It rolls off the tongue nicely. <laughs> I like that. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I'm with you. There's there's nothing bad. Even though he didn't have an efficient game, you still got 20, what was it, 28, 29 carries and 31 touches? Right? He's not going anywhere. Uh, it's just a matter of whether, whether or not you're paying for him at that price, Matt. So we'll talk about some of these mid-range guys for sure. Where are you at on guys like Julio and 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 specifically AJ Brown, who's come to play over the last two weeks? It looks like he's finally healthy. Yeah, it does. It does. He finally got over whatever he ate. And yeah, I mean, the bottom line is we were talking about this Tennessee offense constantly hitting the overs on their games, constantly outperforming Vegas's expectations and their projections expectations. So when I see AJ Brown projected as the wide receiver 11 and he's the wide receiver nine in salary, I'm all systems go here, especially against a Colts secondary that has really, really struggled. They're down in the bottom five in PFF's coverage rate rating. And while it's improved a little bit, we're still looking at them as a bottom 16 in points per play allowed over the last three weeks. So, you know, I don't have any concern about points being scored when the Tennessee offense has its main three weapons here. So it finally looks like the Tennessee offense 
is as we projected them at the beginning of the season. Still tons of touches for Henry, but even with Julio Jones, I mean, he's up there in salary. 5,800 is not nothing, but I don't think I'm going away from him here just because of the ceiling potential of this overall offense. It's possible that Henry does have that true floor game and they rely on those two pass catchers, uh, especially with the way that the Colts secondary has played this season. Yeah, I think there's a lot of upside here for sure. I mean, with Julio, it's it's tough. He's questionable, but I mean, he he never practices on Wednesday anyway. So what's it matter? He he just he had that one great game, man, and then he looked good. He had he had two nice catches last week too. I mean, when he's out there, he's still. He, it's not like he doesn't still look spry to some extent when he's getting the football, but um, you know, when it comes to volume and they did not need to throw a lot in that game at all. If they do need to throw here, Julio might not be the craziest option. I still think he might be a little bit overpriced just given what we've seen from him. But did you say what his ownership is? Cause I'm assuming it's like nothing. It's nothing. I think it's 2.2% right now outside the top 35 wide yeah. receivers. And I kind of get that in terms of expected fantasy points, which is that volume metric I'm always pointing to just on a scale we all understand. It's 9.4 DraftKings expected fantasy points. That is kind of nothing. But he is performing slightly over expectations. The real hope here is that as he gets healthier, he's just utilized more often, which is certainly a possibility here uh, against Indy. On the te- uh, on the indie side of the ball, Michael Pittman's a stud. I'd like to see more volume there, but all in all, you got another injury to Paris Campbell. I'm not acting like that's a huge deal, but it's still another guy that's out. Um, he's on the IR. T.Y. Hilton uh, didn't practice with that quad injury. This guy over the last you know season and a half has been dealing with injuries. He's been playing in the league for ten plus years at this point, so. I mean, we might be looking at another situation where Michael Pittman is the clear go-to guy once again. Yeah, I don't see how you can't. I I don't see how you look at it any other way here. It's this indie offense is going to be consolidated around the play of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman here. And when you're looking at a player in Pittman who is 5,300 on DraftKings, that's wide receiver 26 on the slate. His projection comes in way, way ahead of that. So I am going to expect his ownership to continue to creep up. Right now, we have him fifth among wide receivers. I think people are going to see this as an obvious value play in a clearly good game environment with a very high Vegas total. And with all the injuries piling up in the receiving core of the Indianapolis team, I I don't see how you get away from him as just the clear value option. Now, are there probably stronger ceiling plays on the slate? Yeah, yeah, there probably are. But in terms of comparing projection to salary-based expectations, I don't see how you get away from Pittman as one of your top value plays this weekend. I'm with you. I like it. High-scoring environment. Everything lines up for him, especially the injuries. How about Jonathan Taylor? Because outside of Taylor and Pittman, like you said, offense should be concentrated around them pretty heavily. Outside of those two guys, on a 12-game slate, I just have very little interest in trying to bink on, like, two two touchdowns from Zach Pascal or something like that. He is cheap, understandably so, but this team doesn't have a ton of things I like. And, and Naeem Hines, to be fair, uh, I don't know what to make of him either right now. His passing game involvement has fallen off a cliff over the last month. It sure has. And, and the big thing with Jonathan Taylor is if you're not going to get a huge amount of targets, and that's what we've seen with him over the last few weeks, three targets, four targets, two targets, three targets. There's a ceiling there, clearly. If you're not going to get that, 
you better be getting to the red zone as a team and you better be getting those red zone touches. And that is for sure what we have seen with Jonathan Taylor. Six red zone rushes in three of his last four games and four against Houston because he was breaking off 83-yard runs so that they were limiting their <laughs> the amount of red zone touches because he had already done his damage on those drives. I mean, this is a player I have high, high expectations for. And I know people are going to be a little bit concerned about playing running backs on the other side of playing Derrick Henry. In this situation, I'm not super concerned. I think there's a ton of touchdown upside for Jonathan Taylor. His projection is a little bit lower than his salary at running back nine in the Osimo projections. And his ownership is creeping up there, 9% right now projected. But I don't think I'm going away from him, especially if I'm game stacking this game environment, which I... I totally agree with the Vegas totals has a great chance of being the highest total game on this slate. If we move on to the next one, we've got Miami and Buffalo. Now, let me tell you something right here, Matt. I could just end up being way off on this, but as it stands and you look at our top stack tool, which by the way, we have a ton of free content on the site today. Some of our best tools are totally free. You don't have to sign up or anything like that. If you want to check them out, the NFL showdown top plays tool. Uh, that's amazing. Gives you like a uh, uh, top play probability, optimal captain probability, and the ownership is in there as well. So you're getting everything for tonight's slate basically in one page. Uh, NBA boomer bus tool is an amazing tool that people love. And then NHL ownership projections, all of that free at awesome.com. If you want to check that out. And if you want to get a free or a 25% off your first week of all of these tools, ownership, player projections, top stack, boom, bus lineup builder, all of which have been built by Alex Baker, Osimo himself, a.k.a. number one ranked DFS player out there. Well, use the promo code NFL. Uh, is it NFL Strategy Show, right, Jordan? All one word. NFL Strategy Show, all caps, all one word, at Osimo.com slash join. Get 25% off your first week of Osimo Plus Platinum. Uh, and join the Discord, too. Good community and office hours where our pros help you better your game if you're looking to do that type of stuff. They'll answer your questions and help you out along the way. But this is one where when I look at the top stack tool, Matt, um, I see, and it hasn't been updated since yesterday, but Buffalo ownership right now really isn't that high. And I think there's certain ways to get interesting with this. Like if Tommy Sweeney ends up being popular and Emmanuel Sanders really stays at like six or 7% against Miami in a game where they're monster favorites and they don't like to run the football, even if they're up by multiple scores, I just think there's a lot of ways to get unique, even if it means paying up for Allen and Diggs who aren't getting that much ownership. I love Buffalo this week. Yeah, what you really hope for is Miami can at least bring it in terms of their offensive play because there is a concern that the Buffalo defense being amongst the top defensive units in the league, they absolutely demolish here, which limits the upside of the Buffalo offense. But I'll add a big but to the end of that because we saw... Buffalo put up huge numbers as an offense. They put up 41 points on Houston as giant favorites. So they're, just remember, if a team is a giant favorite, that means they have to score those points somehow. So I agree with you here. Josh Allen is absolutely deserving of that QB1 salary tag on DraftKings this week. I love the ceiling here. And like I said, if Miami is able to push the ball offensively and keep this game competitive, 
I mean, that's where you really want to get game stacks here. I still think we haven't seen the true ceiling performance this year from Stefan Diggs. So I'm all over him at the wide receiver two in salary, especially in tournaments here. And I'm fine going to Emmanuel Sanders at 5,400. Cole Beasley at 4,900. I think all of these are values compared to their salary-based expectations. Um, and, And the Miami off excuse me, Miami defense, it's not anything where I'm changing my projections, but it is one thing I'm noticing that they're bottom 10 right now in yards allowed per pass attempt. Uh, In terms of points allowed per play, they're 26th in the NFL right now. So they're pretty susceptible. I, I think there's really just not much to dislike about the Buffalo passing game this week. There really isn't. And and I'll say this much too, Matt. Like, I agree. We want them to keep it close, but we just saw Tampa blow the doors off Miami not long ago. And, and, and some of those, and those Brady stacks were, were at the top of tournaments, you know, winning Millie makers and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's also entirely possible that they just absolutely crush them and they still, and, and Josh Allen still throws for five touchdowns like Brady did. So I don't know. It just feels like a good spot. And you mentioned Beasley. Yeah. Like Beasley the other night in prime time, I forget what game it was, but you know what I'm referring to? Uh, had a, a, a real, oh, it was Tennessee. It was a Tennessee game. Had like eight for 98 and a score or something like that. Uh, Manny Sanders digs. There's, there's a lot of different ways that this can blow up in your face because Josh Allen can go to a lot of different players. But uh, I think the prices outside of digs are all really nice. And digs is way underpriced on FanDuel too, for what it's worth. Um, I just, I like Buffalo a lot. Now on the other side though, when it comes to Miami, is there any run back you like here? Cause I might just go full out onslaught with no run back, but a Gaskin or, or a Gasicki or even a Jalen Waddle, who's been great for PPR, but in terms of doing anything else with it, been mediocre at best. Yeah, there are some signals here where it says that this could be a good game environment, in which case we would want to game stack this game, making runbacks much more viable. One thing I really like to see is that in our advanced stats tool, Miami is towards the top of the league in adjusted pass rate. And they're top 10, excuse me, top 10 in the league in adjusted pace of play, as are the Buffalo Bills. So you have a two high pace offenses that both like to pass. That's shootout potential for me. So I'm going to players. You know, interestingly, Miles Gaskin has been used a lot in the receiving game. I think he's even viable if you just want guaranteed touches. But I got to say, Jalen Waddle being priced up because of the high Vegas total, that is a little bit of a concern. Wide receiver 22, I don't love that. But Mike Gusecki, I'm fine with. If Devontae Parker, he plays, I'm fine with. You could even go off the wall a little bit with Durham Smythe. But um, I, I totally understand just going onslaught here, especially with such a high spread here. But I think there are some options absolutely to consider here with Miami. There's their offense could absolutely show up, especially could it be Tua's last game as a Dolphin? You never know. It's very possible. And also, when you think about it, like this is a squad that's now thrown the ball 40-plus times in back-to-back games. That's right. We just need the, vol- we need the volume, the pace of play, and truly we need Miami's offense to be competitive in order to keep this game competitive in order for the Buffalo offense to truly put the pedal to the metal and have all their players hit their ceiling. Yeah, no question. All right, Matt. I think we can move on to the next game here, which is the Rams and the Houston Texans, 14 and a half point spread. Both of the games we've actually talked about are both 14 point spreads here. Houston, uh, home, huge home dogs, 48 point total. 
I, I was curious to see if we were going to get Terod Taylor back because say what you will about the guy, he is a immense upgrade over Davis Mills. Huge upgrade. And he's going to be the starter when he returns, as we've been told. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think he I don't know. Maybe he will. Yeah, I'm seeing conflicting reports. USA Today uh, within the last day said they could get Tyra Taylor back, and if he's in, he starts. But then NBC Sports is saying Davis Mills may start this week, so we really don't know. But I can, I'm in complete agreement here. The whole possibility of a shootout changes if Taylor is in the lineup. It's a big It really upgrade. does. And and listen, I don't think either of us are saying go out there and run a ton of Tyrod Taylor lineups, right? <laughs> but more so that they might actually score points if he's out there. You know, I, I look at the Rams, though, and at this rate, getting away from Cooper Cup is, is a fool's errand. I mean, I'm not saying don't do it in tournaments, but it's scary as shit, Matt. Like, the guy scored multiple touchdowns in more than half of his games this year. He's the, the wide receiver one on the season. He doesn't have a single game with fewer than 10 targets. When you talk about he, someone said he was like, and, and I agree, granted, slightly different archetype of player, but this is like the 2019 Michael Thomas from a yeah, fantasy standpoint. A, yeah, that's a great comparison here. And you just don't move away from him because the expected fantasy points are number one overall in the NFL. And the fantasy points over expected are in the top three in the NFL. Even just comparing him to everyone's expected fantasy points, he's scoring the most over his expectation. So he's just light years away in terms of uh, the way you I project things out in bankable opportunity. And that's just not someone you'd go away from. Now, does ownership come into play? The fact that he's creeping up towards a 20% projected ownership? Yes, in tournaments. The easiest way to get leverage in your lineup is by fading high-owned players. Is it the only way? Absolutely not. Is he one of the few people capable of 45-plus fantasy points in this in this offense as a true ceiling? Yeah, he is. So why would you take him off your list or fade him just because he's popular here, especially against the Houston defense that has just been... I guess they've actually been a little bit better than I expected, but we're still talking about bottom 10 in the NFL and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. I think really what that's saying is that so many teams are up by so much in the second half that they can take their foot off the gas with the Texans most weeks, limiting their overall efficiency. We're not concerned here in this case about the LA offense showing up in some way. It could go to someone other than Cup, but... Uh, we're never writing him off the list in this offense right now. Can't do it anymore. You're, you're absolutely right. It's funny too, comparing him to the 2019 Michael Thomas until I realized that he already has as many touchdowns as Michael Thomas had on the entire season. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line of the, the off the difference of the, of the offense that Michael Thomas was in Drew Brees didn't have a deep ball anymore. He was lethally accurate in the short area passing yep. game. And he could do that to Kamara and Thomas all day. But Stafford, Stafford has an array of deep targets and the ability to get it there. And he's got Robert Woods lined up off opposite Cup. The other thing, too, we got to say is that they use Cup similar almost to a tight end as they move him into the slot near the red zone. And that's why you see so many red zone touches for Cup. That's not going away anytime soon. Dude, he has 15 red zone targets already. That's it absurd. 
He has seven goal line targets at the red zone or, uh, this year. Seven inside the five. That just <laughs> unbelievable. He has he has, he has a third of his team's red zone targets this year. Like that's why when it comes to Cooper Cup, it's not just like you're paying for yards. You're paying for they threw it to him on first and goal at the one last game. Matt, like they just are going to get him the ball no matter what. He is a priority. But you bring up some good points where you say they could go elsewhere. Now, Van Jefferson was in uh, the winning Millie maker, or it might've been the single entry $12 with for 30 K, but he was in a lot of winning lineups because it, he fit and it worked. Uh, and he worked in, in, in Rams stacks. Oh, another, by the way, another one where it was like an onslaught was uh, two weeks ago, Stafford cup Henderson lineups ended up winning tournaments against who is it? Who did they, uh, the giants, right? With the Giants. Yep. Well, they, they crushed and Henderson was in there too. I think. Right. But I'm saying the Giants, yeah, and he had a well, he had a receiving touchdown. But I'm saying the Giants didn't score any points, and it was still a spot where um what I'm saying is stacks can still win, yes. even though you want a shootout, you want a back and forth affair. If a team is that good, a lot of times their stack that stack can still pay off. But um anyway, Matt, what are you where are you at on guys like Woods and Higby and, and Jefferson and and the, and those guys? It's really kind of simple today, uh, this weekend, because it's yes, 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 yes for the whole <laughs> really list. Is. Woods, yes, at wide receiver 16 in salary, absolutely. Higby at t- tight end eight, yes. Van Jefferson at 3,900 on DraftKings, absolutely. Deshaun Jackson in tournaments at 3,300, sure, why not? Even the Rams' defense, even though they're priced way up there, yeah, they're great. Could you see them scoring 27 fantasy points? Absolutely. Uh, I will say, it looks like their projected ownership because of that high salary is going to be really low because people want to use that salary elsewhere, especially on DraftKings. One way to differentiate your lineups is to go with a surefire defense like the Rams, especially if Tyrod Taylor is out for another week. And then just making that simple choice, you're going to start to differentiate your lineup that way. Daryl Henderson was a big disappointment last week, Matt, but I am going back to him this week. And I, I honestly, like, even with ownership being up there, he's just mispriced. Like, if Henderson should not be priced where he is in a game where they're two touchdowns, they're more than a two touchdown favorite. I know they like to throw the ball. I know that even in neutral game scripts, this is uh, our matchup adjusted run play percentage that the Rams are going to throw more than they're going to pass. I get it. All of that. But I honestly don't even care. Like, I'm still projecting a lot of opportunities for Henderson here. And I'm going back to the well once again. He's just too cheap for me to pass up. Yeah, no, I really have nothing to add there because of course you're playing running backs. Of course you're playing defenses. Of course you're playing tight ends who correlate really well with them anyway. But especially when it's a player like Tyler Higby who could have two touchdowns himself. Daryl Henderson, absolutely. I think in season long, you have a low-key RB1 with RB1 overall upside, and especially if he gets the week six level opportunities. In week seven, it was a little bit down, but we saw 24 total opportunities for him in week six, down a little bit to 21 total opportunities, but six targets in the game against Detroit. That's elite level usage on an elite offense. That's all you can ask for from a running back. And then you're talking about RB10 and salary. Sign me up. Absolutely. Got to go back to the well. I don't care if he sucked last week. Are you 
getting to anyone on Houston right now, assuming Mills starts, and if Terod Taylor starts, what are you doing? Because to me, I do think the difference is almost immeasurable when it comes to how Brandon Cooks can produce with somebody like Terod Taylor or Davis Mills. But Brandon Cooks seems disgruntled out there in Houston right now at the cryptic like tweet last night retweeted by Adam Schefter. Yeah, I saw that. That, I mean, I get it. It does do damage when the people who are really strong locker room presences get shipped out at the deadline to contenders. Is that what he was mad about? Mark Ingram getting traded? I thought, I thought so. I I think so too. I think so too. Yeah. I think maybe he probably was thinking maybe I'll go play for the saints too (laughs) down the stretch. They could use him. They seriously could. And you know, when I first saw the news that Tyrod Taylor might be getting the nod this week, I thought, okay, this is excellent news for Brandon Cooks. It's a game where the Rams are going to obviously show up on offense. They're going to have to pass. And then I kind of thought, well, actually, Taylor didn't pepper Cooks. It was really Mills who peppered Cooks to begin the season. And what I hope for, what I hope is that they've seen that film and they realize that getting the ball to Brandon Cooks somewhere around a dozen times a game is probably one of their only ways of keeping a game close like this. But I'm not exactly sure here. I still think at 5,700 on DraftKings wide receiver 21, you're getting there. He's a value play. And, you know, even though he's at 14% ownership, you don't have to completely write him off in tournaments. But I think the probability of him hitting that absolute ceiling might actually be down a little bit if Taylor's in the lineup, even though the offense overall might be better off. Anybody you like for Houston? I mean, I guess we could see David Johnson or Philip Lindsay take over the backfield now that they cycled one out, but I'm not hopeful. I think Lindsay gets the very low value rushing attempts and David Johnson gets a few slightly higher value passing attempts. I guess you could do worse at 4,200 thinking that in a high total game environment, he scores two touchdowns, maybe receiving at 1% ownership. All right, so three down. We got nine to go. We're actually making pretty good time here, Matt. I'm proud of us right now. We've been pretty succinct with everything, huh? Pretty good. Pretty good here. I don't know why we need to. Yeah, I don't even think Jordan has to produce another show today. So do you? Do you got any more shows, Jordan? Yeah? But nothing (laughs) after this. Nothing right after this, right? Okay. Oh, all right. Where are we at? Where are we at? Oh, yeah. Prize picks. Matt, I got another good one today on prize picks, the sponsor of today's show. And I must tell you, right, that there are, dare I say, some advantages if you find them. You know exactly where I'm going with this because I always go here. And quite frankly, it makes a lot of sense. Player props uh, contest over at prize picks are awesome. Now, The reason they're better than any other site when you're playing this type of stuff or a traditional book is simple. You can still win money by not hitting all five legs of your, let's call it a lineup, but it's similar to a parlay in a a traditional uh, book, right? So if you have, you're like, all right, five leg parlay, let's do it. Now, granted, the odds there could be astronomical and, or, or they aren't, but if you only hit four or five legs, even if you're doing like a heavy money line favorite five leg parlay and you only hit four or five legs, you win nothing. At prize picks, 
you do five, you could do a five player prop lineup, 10 X your entry on winning all five. But if you only win three or four, you're not out. You're not crushing your bankroll by doing this. You can still profit by not hitting on all five legs, as a matter of fact. So check it out. Prizepicks.com. Download it in the App Store or the Google Play Store. And while you're at it, before you actually sign up and deposit, make sure to use the promo code AWESOMO. <coughs> Excuse me. And you'll get up to $100 when you deposit and sign up for the first time using the promo code AWESOMO. A-W-E-S-E-M-O. You can do two, three, four, or five player prop lineups. There's no juice on either side of this, right? Just over or the under. Football, basketball, baseball, esports, you name it, all of that. They got it over there. Check it out. And if you know more than one sport, well, mix them together. You could do a five-player lineup with basketball, baseball, and football all mixed in along the way. Use the knowledge research you get watching these shows and all of that stuff. And, of course, all of our free player prop tools at awesomeo.com. I'm going Dalvin Cook over a half a touchdown. I have to. I have to, Matt. Against Dallas, Dalvin Cook, workhorse back, goal line back. He's scoring this week. I haven't seen a traditional book post a, a line. I guarantee you it's going to be like minus 150, and I'm getting it with no juice. Over over half a touchdown for Dalvin Cook. What do you got? All right. Well, I checked the player props tool and just sorted by expected win rate so I could get some high probability options here. And one of the ones that really surprised me but made a lot of sense once I saw it was Carson Wentz over 21.5 completions in this high total game against Tennessee. We've already talked about the shootout potential here. And that really is the joy about prop betting here is Carson Wentz may not be that ceiling play we want in DFS, but he has a high probability of creating a lot of completions for his receivers that we can bet on in, a, in an app like Prize Picks. I'm taking that all day. Wentz over 21.5. Love it. Awesome. A W E S E M O. That's how you get up to $100 when you sign up and deposit for the first time at Prize Picks. All right, Matt, roll it here to the Philadelphia Eagles, the Detroit Lions, 47 and a half point total. I'm honestly shocked that the Eagles are laying three and a half points. I really am. I, I honestly, if, if the Lions were favored in this game, it wouldn't even surprise me. I know they're bad. Don't get me wrong. But so are the Eagles. The Eagles are a bad football team right now. And um, our friend Aton Shander just wrote an article, a great read over at Philly Voice, saying that maybe this isn't a tank and they're, they're, they're masquerading as a team that's trying to win. But maybe really all of this is a covert operation in order to get those top picks. Jordan, don't you laugh at me, man. Kind of makes sense. Anyway, whether you believe it or not, blame Aton if you think it's crazy. Jalen Hurts, though, king of garbage time, Matt, the true king of garbage time. Blake Bortles reincarnate, except this guy's got some real rushing upside, and he's going to keep doing this every week. He's like the quarterback five this year, something insane. Devontae Smith has suffered, though, because of him. Ertz is gone and Miles Sanders is hurt. So while I like Eagles or not to win this week, there is a ton to cover in the backfield and pretty much everywhere else against arguably the worst defense in football. Oh, floor is yours. I, I am thrilled that I know my co-host well, because I have in my notes that says Lafay is set, is going to say that he it won't be surprised if Detroit should be. Did you actually hurt. write that? <laughs> Did you actually write that? Detroit, or it says Lafayette's going to say Detroit has a real chance. They do. <laughs> That's great, though. That's great. I know, I know. And, you know, I have to say, 
it wouldn't be the worst idea organizationally to just admit that when you move your quarterback and this amount of talent leaves and the amount of talent that you do have is on the younger side, it might be an okay time to press the reset button, especially when you have multiple first round picks and the way the Colts have been playing their cards, you may have three the way it's going right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts, as you said, you can call him Blake Bortles 2.0, but he's third on the slate in terms of quarterbacks in points per game. He's third in expected fantasy points per game, and he's fifth in salary. So I don't really care how it happens for him specifically, but I'm playing him in DFS. The way that DFS and fantasy football is scored, I'm inclined to play a player like Hertz who can't really find anything downfield until it's so late that he's just bombing it out anyway. So he's consistently tucking it and running it, which is more points on a per play basis. I'm just playing him all for all the reasons we know to play Russian quarterbacks. We're continuing to play him until he's benched. And that is a real possibility here that the team looks for what they have in Gardner Minshew before the doors close on the 2021 season. Now, it gets more interesting because Miles Sanders is very, very unlikely to play. Um, and so he's now not you have, playing, man. There's yeah, no way. And, and so you have Kenny Gainwell, who I'm excited to see in terms of what they actually give him. That's harder to tell because Boston Scott will be involved. Um, it, is Jordan Howard going to play? Um, they have to elevate him first from the practice squad, but yeah we're probably not looking that far down the running back depth chart in DFS, but ultimately against Detroit, you're usually playing running backs against them. They're second worst in the NFL over the last three weeks in yards per carry allowed. Um, And, Oh, I'm sorry. I took that back. They are above average in yards per carry allowed, but that's actually a bit of a misnomer. Sorry about that in my notes. They're actually a bit of a running back funnel, giving up over 10 fantasy schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses, but mostly to running backs and often through the air. So that They've given up six touchdown receptions to running backs this year. Yeah, I'm glad I caught that. Sorry about that, y'all. But I I do think that there is some sneaky upside in a team that even though it is kind of – ugly feeling they are favorite against Detroit and you could take advantage of the murky situation. If you're right on betting on one of these running backs sort of taking over in the absence of Sanders in a positive game script, you know, you could be looking at a really nice day. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I tell you what I think is going to happen though, right? Like once our projections and forgive me for looking this up right now, but let me see what we got. Are we, did we remove Miles Sanders from the projections? We did. Okay. So our last update got rid of him. Kenny Gainwell is at 9% right now. I think his ownership is going to continue to climb, to be honest Me with too. you, Matt. And if that happens to be the case, this this could be a spot where I pivot to like a Khalil Herbert or something at a similar price who's getting a ton of opportunity. We'll talk about that game, of course, but um This is what it comes down to. Boston Scott had seven carries to Gainwell's five last game. He had two goal line carries and a touchdown. Gainwell didn't have any, but he did score uh, in the red zone on a catch and run while before Miles Sanders got hurt. So we know that we know that Sirianni will use him in the two minute drill. He will use him as a pass catcher. He has a pretty decent red zone target share this season as well. 
But the Jordan Howard thing is what really makes it, it really uh, muddies the waters. If it's just Gainwell and Boston Scott, like they'll probably bring Howard up, but if he's not used, Gainwell's probably going to have a solid game. And he's someone that is going to be involved a lot as a pass catcher, but Boston Scott, don't be surprised if this ends up being 50, 50 and Boston Scott ends up having a better game than Gainwell. That's all I'm saying here. I, yeah. Neither of us can predict it, but I wouldn't be shocked if Boston Scott gets involved. I still like Gainwell better. Obviously I think he's a much better back, but I think Boston Scott gets worked in quite a bit. Look, we talked about the upside here, but yeah, exactly. I think this is far from a free square play, especially because Jalen Hurts runs so often. 40% of the team's rush attempts are Jalen Hurts. 50% of the team's rushes inside the 10 are Jalen Hurts. You're still talking about multiple backs competing over 40, 50% of the high-value touches because the rest are going to the quarterback. I do like some of the passing game options here, though. Like, I'll play Devonta Smith here at 5,500 on DraftKings. I'm certainly going to Dallas Goddard while he's sort of fundamentally mispriced based on his old role here. I'm absolutely fine at 4,700. In fact, the projections for him look absolutely golden. Uh, I think he, yeah, he has tight end one on the slate right now without some of the big names on the main slate. So I'll go there. Really hard for me to bet on a player like Jalen Rager or Quez Watkins here. You're talking about like super large field tournaments. If I'm going there. Can't do it. Can't do it. I mean, Goddard's fine without Ertz, but I, I don't like that price point. I think there's some better options that are cheaper for me. So the other side of this one, Deandre Swift has been very good. You know, we talked about it on the fantasy football show and, and drafts that we did. And I, I had said, I don't want to draft Deandre Swift in the third round, but my caveat to this is, he will never get there with just being a rushing. Like we know that he's a pass catcher. Don't get me wrong, but he will need to be elite as a pass catcher to get us where we need to go. And Matt, he has figured out a way to do that, right? He, he certainly has. DeAndre Swift has been fantastic catching the football out of the backfield. Uh, and now he is projected as, as we are right now with the highest ownership on the slate. He doesn't have a 60-yard rushing game this season. 39, 37, 47, 16, 51, 24, and 48. But the pass catching, I mean, he has six-plus targets in all but one game, and that has been where the bread is buttered, Matt. He's also been the goal linebacker, and I think people forget to acknowledge that. Is it worth, though, getting to that type of ownership on DeAndre Swift on Sunday? Gosh, it's really hard when the player's ownership is getting that high to play him in tournaments, especially when you know that a ceiling game, so many things have to go right for Swift to reach his true ceiling. We've seen him hit 28 fantasy points as he did last week, but before that, his highest was 23.7 PPR fantasy points. So I see 19 expected fantasy points. That's stellar. That's fourth among all running backs on the slate. But how often does he soar above that? Two standard deviations above that that you really need for a tournament winning score? I see it as kind of infrequent. So in cash, it's a different, it's a different conversation. But in tournaments, I'm probably going to be under the field on a player like Swift, despite him being in a pretty solid situation and a pretty solid game environment here. While the Eagles are a little bit better than average in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, they're one of the big biggest run funnels, meaning the way to attack them is with the running back position, which is certainly what Detroit wants to do. It's not a bad play by any means. I just have It just gives me pause when I see a fifth of the field is going to be playing him on Sunday. 
I hear you. I'm I'm hundred percent in line with you there. It could Swift have a big game? Absolutely. But uh and I will say the Eagles, man, they even if they haven't been wildly inefficient stopping the run, they just don't have enough offensive firepower to make it so teams have no desire to run against them. The teams just all they want to do is run against them right now. And it's a shame because Josh Jacobs was clearly in line for a big game last week got hurt with that chest injury still ended up having a solid effort. I think he still had like 16 fantasy points. And what was it like a quarter and a half match, something ridiculous, but they're allowing a, they're allowing over 30 rushing attempts per game to opponents. The Eagles teams will run on them. It's just a matter of, of, of who benefits here in the run game more. I think too, though, the rest of this team, like Hawkinson, eh, fine. I'd still rather just get to pits or go down further I'll tell you, credit to Khalif Raymond because dude came out of nowhere with a 100-yard game. He's now had a couple big performances, even if two touchdown performance mixed in. But that price point to me, Matt, eh, not feeling it, especially if the Eagles' uh, front seven can actually get some pressure. I'm just not really happy to – not excited to get to anybody for Detroit right now, either ownership or price. Yeah, I think Hawkinson is certainly playable, especially because his uh, projected ownership is pretty middling and his projection is right in line with salary-based expectation. And it is nice to see a receiver on this middling Detroit offense actually hit the top 40 amongst wide receivers in expected fantasy points. But that's still just 10.2 expected fantasy points that Khalif Raymond has. That's not incredibly exciting. It's in the, yeah, you can play him, section of of my rankings but certainly not exciting just as you said our boy i'm a tulsa dog said uh swift was in the millie maker winning lineup last week just saying yeah no question but matt again this is why i like doing this show and, and this type of stuff and talking through it is because last week swift was on DraftKings six thousand dollars he's seventy one hundred dollars to this week last week Swift was sub 10% owned. I think one of you, you might be able to pull it up, but I'm pretty sure he was like 7% or something like that. He was yeah, not high cool. owned, maybe eight. This week, we're projecting him north of 20. That's a big difference. Yeah, it, it really, really is. No, we're not saying his potential to score fantasy points has changed whatsoever from week to week, but we have to take into consideration what the rest of the field is doing you know, not to sound trite, but that's the whole point of the game. Sure. That's all. But yeah, Swift is good, man. Swift is good. Could he be in the Millie maker winning lineup again this week? Absolutely. Uh, but you got, you know, there, there are also some really good mid range backs every week. And that's why like, that's why I, I kind of like with Kareem hunt, I came in underweight on him. He got hurt, but sometimes you lock out in a sense like that because they were also getting smoked, but still like there are so many good mid range backs that, that's where I think a good pivot spot is each week. If you can get there that said, I don't know how I get away from Daryl Henderson this week. And I'll say that one more time because he's mid range, but he should be above seven K. All right. Who do we got next, Matt? We have coming up on the docket, Carolina, Atlanta. Okay. Another fun one. Carolina is cratering in upon themselves right now, but without McCaffrey, they have no choice, but to continue throwing the football, Matt. And they're three and a half point dogs. They're one of two teams, by the way, that started off three and zero and are now, oh, are now three and four. Not great, Bob. Yeah, them and who's the other team? Go. 
started three and zero, and now they're three and four. Go Seattle. Nope. Chat. Go. Oof. Come on. Oof. Come on. I should know. Kansas City. Nope. Den- Denver. Kansas Denver. City was one and three. Denver. Pretty sure. No. Den- All right. I don't know. I I'm don't. Pretty know. sure Denver started off. I know they started off three and zero. I'm pretty sure they're three and four now. I think they've lost four straight. Yep, yeah, they're, they're three and four. That's yep, it. Yep, you guys got it in chat. There's a bit of a delay, <laughs> but yeah, chat's coming in hot. Yeah, Denver and and Carolina, not looking good, but Matt, I tweeted this the other day. I, I've i been uh, waiting to get your opinion on this, right? Because it just seems like it's not possible. Robbie Anderson has 38 targets over the last four weeks. That's seventh in the league, Okay. 25% target share, 35% of his team air yards, which, you know, are obviously bullshit in some sense, some uh, instances. But the fact is, a lot of deep targets, seventh in the league in targets over the last three, four, four weeks, over the last month. He has the wide receiver 56 over that span and 78th in receiving yards. How <laughs> does that happen? Oh, these are the kinds of players that just take all my money in DFS because the opportunity, the opportunity is different, is just at a different level than most players. It's just way above average for his position and his production is way below average. And now you have to put a little bit of the blame on the quarterback position. And, And, you know, Darnold just hasn't taken that step forward. In terms of efficiency here, I'm looking at it. it uh, playerprofiler.com has a true completion percentage uh, that takes out throwaways and dump offs. He's 28th in the league, 28th in yards per pass attempt, 30th in adjusted yards per pass attempt. I mean, he got benched for a reason last week. And, you know, while uh, we'll see what it's like against the Atlanta defense, which has been exploitable over the course of this season. You just have to lower the expectations for the Carolina Panthers offense while Darnold is playing this poorly, even though the opportunity looks good in a vacuum, really good for a player like Anderson and for DJ Moore. I just can't trust it right now with Darnold in terms of expected fantasy points. He's actually been pretty high this year, but that's really due to goal line rushes in terms of passing expected fantasy points. He's been way all just all over the map. And that variability has been terrible for his offensive weapons. I'm not saying it's impossible here. DJ Moore is a hell of a player. But, uh, yeah, with Robbie Anderson, I just am completely fed up with him. So am I, man. But you know that game's coming. Like, and maybe you know it it's coming. Yeah, yeah, but it feels like – because here's the thing. Bad, bad balls and bad quarterbacks, eventually it's just like if you target somebody enough, especially against Atlanta – Eventually, there's just going to be busted coverage or, you know, he's going to slip some tackles. Listen, the Panthers lead the entire league in drops. So as bad as Darnold's been recently, he they should have beat Minnesota. They should have. They had eight drops. That was five more than any other team on the week. They should have beat him. So they're not good, okay, right now. <laughs> Sam Darnold's not great. but And I'm listen, I don't think either you or I are, are over here repping for for Robbie Anderson just pointing out though that the volume on somebody like Robbie Anderson given his ownership and price this week would suggest that you know he would suggest that maybe some positive regression is on the way I don't know we'll see what about DJ Moore oh go ahead yeah I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now the catchable target rate for Robbie Anderson 
61% is 95th amongst wide receivers. There's a lot of blame to throw around here. No DJ doubt. Moore, I, 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 will, I will play him. I will absolutely have some DJ Moore. 7,200 on DraftKings is just a little bit too low in salary for a player who's third amongst all wide receivers in expected fantasy points. Yes, I just went on a diatribe about how you have to downgrade those expected fantasy points because of Sam Darnold, but still... 13.1% projected ownership is not enough for me to go off of a player who is doing his best in this decrepit offense to push into the elite tier of wide receivers here. It's great to see a breakout for the Panthers. And the one thing we will say is the Atlanta defense has not been strong. Right now, they are fourth worst in the NFL in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. That's easier for opposing offenses. So there are a lot of things going in the Carolina offense's favor this week. DJ Moore would hopefully be the main beneficiary of that. I'll definitely play him. Gotta, gotta play him. He's still getting peppered with targets. This is, as you mentioned, a, a, a really strong matchup, the best they've seen in a little while. No real pass, no real significant pass rush for Atlanta either, which I think really helps. I, I, I'm getting there. You know, they are lost without Christian McCaffrey, though. There's no doubt about that. This team is lost without McCaffrey. So they'll need to throw. It'll be ugly, but if the volume's there, I'm willing to get there. Atlanta's side of the ball, Kyle Pitts, seems to be uh, blossoming before our eyes, Matt, coming off two really solid games, albeit against New York Jets and Miami, but it's not exactly like Carolina's defense is, is imposing right now either. This game could legitimately shoot out, or it could be just an exercise in futility. It could be a spot where they go 30 total points. You know, you don't really know. But if it does shoot out, Pitts and Ridley and such, and even Cordero Patterson could have themselves a day. Absolutely. And, you know, these two offenses are certainly capable of shooting themselves both in the foot, as you said. But... There are some signs that there's some offensive shootout potential here. The Panthers are really right in line with the league average in that metric schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, but they are a pretty big pass funnel, meaning it's easier to exploit them with wide receivers and tight ends than it is for running backs. And we know which wide receivers and tight ends Matt Ryan wants to get involved here. Yeah, it's been thrilling to see Pitts just flat out ball over the last two weeks 26.9 PPR fantasy points in week five, 23.3 fantasy points in week seven after the bye. Both of those were top three among all tight ends, not just on the main slates. The, I guess he wasn't even on the main slate in week five, but just overall on those weeks here. And that's only on a 68% snap share and a 64% snap share in week seven there. So his playing time could actually go up. Now, I suspect... We're seeing it mostly the running game snaps he's just coming off the field for. And in route participation rate, he's at 80%. So obviously that's what they're doing to an extent. But I'm expecting Kyle Pitts to finally reach 100% in terms of route participation rate. And if that happens, there's another level to the opportunity that he could have. So I'm all over Kyle Pitts in terms of expected fantasy points per dollar he actually looks like one of the better value plays even though his salary has really crept up here uh calvin ridley's still an awesome option i'm playing these passing games here and i guess i'll play some cordero patterson even though he doesn't make any sense to me it doesn't but matt i'm telling you right now if you look 
it, it, so with, with Cordero Patterson, I'm with you. Listen, I was convincing. I was off of Cordero Patterson yesterday doing the show. And then I started looking at numbers mid show, like while speaking, because I can multitask like that once in a while. <laughs> and I started convincing myself that like, he's actually the, the production that we saw earlier in the year was unsustainable at the rate, at the clip that he was playing, that he was on the field. But now he's gone from, you know, running routes on 30% of dropbacks over the first three weeks to running routes on 60 plus percent of dropbacks over the last three weeks. He went from playing, you know, very minimal snaps to now being out there quite considerably. Like he went for 73% of snaps last week for Cordero Patterson lining up as a receiver and out of the backfield getting 28 carries over the last two games. This volume right now is pretty significant. And I don't know how long it's going to be until Mike Davis is playing, you know, no, not no snaps, but is the clear backup getting like three to four carries per game. He's the most dynamic player in that backfield for sure. And, you know, if we had a player who was getting six to seven targets a game and averaging three yards per route run, we would say like, hey, this is a solid DFS option on a team that throws 40 times a game. But then you add in 13, 14 carries that he's typically getting for Cordero Patterson. And then I, I do get it in that regard. It's just there's enough efficiency on a per play basis. And then you add in the rushing volume to that, that it's unignorable here. But Mike Davis is still technically the starter. Um, I, I'm kind of intrigued by playing him. I'm probably a fish for doing so because it's probably low upside here. But assuming Cordero Patterson has really carved out this sort of hybrid auxiliary role, even with Russell Gage back, I do understand the argument. I just think Calvin Ridley, ultimately we haven't, we've said the least on him and he's actually the best value of the trio uh, at wide receiver 12. On DraftKings, 6,600, it's just too low for me. So I'm definitely going to get there, even though his ownership projection is creeping up towards 15%. Yeah. Anybody else for Atlanta, Matt? Uh, no. No, that's really it. Yeah, I mean, if, I, if Kyle Pitts really comes in at 5%, whew, I will have yeah, quite I, a bit. I get that the salary is high, but it's not too high. It's not that high. We were paying that much for... For Kittle, I mean, I, I'm not saying that he's Kittle yet, but he might be better soon. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at this value metric that I've been working on, DraftKings salary per expected fantasy point. So it's really just taking two two stats we all know and love and dividing them by each other. He's the tight end too in terms of value tight ends. Pitts is. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. That's. <laughs> Wow. All right, Matt, what do we got? Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Let's keep it rolling. We've man, these are some these are some fun games we've been talking about so far. It's gonna get it's gonna get a bit ugly, but keep rolling. <laughs> yeah, here Pittsburgh. we go. And by the way, sorry, what's that? I was just saying, here we go into the ugly parts, these yeah. bottom three of the one PMs in terms of totals. But we know you guys hang out from start to finish. Again, marathon matchup show. We're making the t-shirts. I survived the Awesome old marathon matchup show. We'll give some out for free as well. Uh, we're actually going to make them. We got some cool 
designs coming up for all, all different stuff. That'll be one of them. But hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so. I'd love to get this over 100. I know it's a long show, but it's worth every single second. And subscribe to the channel. And last thing, if you want to join, hit that join button down below the thumbs up. Get the custom uh, emojis, the sweet badges that over time change and just make you look cool. You know, it's all about status at this point, Matt. Life's all about status from NFTs to, to big DFS wins to all of that stuff. And now badges. <laughs> yeah, that clout. Yeah, exactly. And now badges, a true status symbol in the DFS and awesome O community. <laughs> you can be that. Really, though, if you don't want to, it doesn't matter to me, but it's fun and custom shout outs. And of course, we'll always answer your questions first if you have that badge. And if you're in our premium Discord, if you're already a premium member, you knew that. Pittsburgh and Cleveland, three and a half point dogs on the road against the Browns, 42 and a half point total. Baker looks like he'll be back this week, but let's start with Pittsburgh. What are we doing with this offense? I mean, we're playing Najee Harris because all he does is get touch after touch after touch. 24.3 expected fantasy points per game. That's number one amongst all running backs. That includes Derrick Henry. Now, is he better than Derrick Henry? No one on earth is saying that. No one on earth. But we're still looking at the volume and we're playing the volume, especially when at 7,500, he's the fourth running back in terms of salary. Projection is right there with salary base expectations. And yes, the Cleveland defense is improved, but they're still just average in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. So that is where I'm going first and foremost if I'm looking at this game. And then I'll always consider Deontay Johnson when his ownership is below 10%. I just think this is a player who has 15 target upside, which isn't something you can say outside of a handful, maybe a dozen wide receivers in the league. Um, if they have an exploitable matchup in uh, in the cornerback game, they will just pepper Johnson with targets. And I do think Claypool is a tournament option, but his salary of 6300 I think, is just a little high. His projections outside the top 25 wide receivers. We know what a ceiling game looks like for Claypool. Just with this version of the Pittsburgh offense, especially with the amount they're dumping it down to Harris, the probability of that happening just shoots down for me. Hey, uh, I see a bunch of people talking in chat about tonight's game between the Thursday's game uh, between Arizona and the Packers. It's an insane game with Adams out. Well, projected out Lazard already out. Deandre Hopkins probably going to play, but we don't know. Uh, just an absolute mess, but we broke it all down already. You can check it out after you watch this, of course right on the Awesome O YouTube channel. It's the NFL Showdown Strategy Show. Myself, Matt Kajewski, Alex Brown, former defensive end for the Chicago Bears. We had a blast, but you know, really got into the weeds here with uh, everything for this slate, for this game. So check that out. And of course, Live Before Lock tonight for that game after the NBA Deeper Dive and Live Before Lock. So stick with us throughout the day if you're not doing anything and you're looking to play some DFS. All right. Um, on the other side, Matt, when you come to Cleveland, it's a shame what's, what's, what's happened to Odell Beckham. I hate to see it. Jarvis Landry returned last week. Um, and Nick Chubb is expected to return this week. I know Jarvis Landry got hurt late in that game on his fifth reception. Uh, he has said he's, he's going to be able to play. And then as far as Kareem Hunt goes, still on the IR, but Chubb, again, expected back. Mayfield taking all the first uh, first team reps at practice. 
lot of Q tags on this team right now. Yeah, it's hard to say on Thursday when we record this show exactly what this offense is going to look like on Sunday. But here's how I project it out currently. I think Baker Mayfield is going to try to tough it out and play. I think Jarvis Landry has said at this point that he for sure is playing. So I think he is going to play. And then from the backfield standpoint, I think we're going to see Nick Chubb at around 60% of his usual usage. So then the question becomes, what does Dernis Johnson carve out in terms of the value of his secondary role. That's really the biggest question I'm asking myself as I look at this Cleveland offense this week. I think Nick Chubb, even in a limited touch share, has the ability to break off huge runs and at 4% projected ownership outside the top 15 running backs. I'm probably going to take a few shots there if he is active. It's a possibility, though, that Johnson ends up getting another crack at the backfield all to himself, in which case then I feel like we do have a true free square option this week. If he's in a timeshare, it's really, really tough. I think the wrong way to play this is to assume that he gets the Kareem Hunt role, if you will. But the way he played last week, it's not impossible. I've seen coaches do much more illogical things while watching my fo- while watching football over the years. Uh, I- Beyond that, though, I really think I'm only playing Landry because he's, he has a salary outside the top 30, but really hitting his ceiling involves him scoring multiple touchdowns. So I just see him more of like a value play that if he fits, fine. I don't know if if Beckham is really happening this year. I just don't know. Neither do I. And with Dearness Johnson, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's really tough to speculate. He's going to be involved. There's no doubt he's going to be involved, but Will it be enough? Probably not. And Pittsburgh's run defense really isn't that bad. I don't see myself getting the Nick Chubb here. Uh, and you know, assuming that he's back and he's not limited, I don't see why he would be, given how well Dearness Johnson played last week. I'll probably stay away from this, this backfield. Nick Chubb's price has come down quite considerably, Matt, but I don't know. It, it, maybe, maybe your Johnson does play that role, and it's just – I'm staying. Are you getting assuming that Chubb is fine and not limited or anything? Are you taking any shots on him? Yeah, I will. I will. And I usually don't actually with Chubb because, especially when the ownership starts to creep up, we know what has to happen for him to have a monster performance. He essentially has to break a few tackles, crush long runs. But the thing is, he does that. And so ultimately, if the rest of the field is overly concerned that's where i might be over the field and and, you know i can be 10 percent. i can have 10 percent chubb and be double the field so i don't have to take a humongous swing on him to have a strong stance all right we move to cincy and the new york jets Bengals 10 and a half point favorites on the road jamar chase coming off a 200 yard game man huge joe burrow that stack won some tournaments last week for sure. T. Higgins saw a ton of targets too. Wasn't necessarily able to parlay them into a big game, but there's a lot here. But there's also the backfield where Joe Mixon and Samaji P. Ryan seem to be splitting work. That I don't know how much of that had to do with the fact that they were leading. I still am of the belief, and I don't really love Mixon this week, but I will say I'm still of the belief that if, the, if they're locked in close battles, Mixon is going to get still the majority of work. This game just doesn't project as one that's going to be close, Matt. And you've got Mike White starting for the Jets. I will add, Mike White really isn't a downgrade from from Jack Wilson, so it doesn't make a difference. But uh, as far as the Bengals go, pass catchers 
Jamar Chase ownership coming in very low right now. T Higgins, all of those guys. Is this a spot you want to get to, which is actually somewhat contrarian? Yes, I do. I, I think I, I don't see any problem with Chase. I think one of the things that people get concerned about as salary continues to rise is they feel like they're not getting the best value. I don't know what to tell you. You didn't play Jamar Chase through the first seven weeks of the season. Now we're looking at Jamar, week eight Jamar Chase. Our perception of him, it, our perceptions of him are really different and for good reason. But his projection is top five amongst all wide receivers on the slate. So he's a top five wide receiver. We're just not getting the insane value that we did earlier in the season if we knew that he was a top five projected player like he is this week. But what can you say? He's having an elite level rookie season. And we're so spoiled after last year's Justin Jefferson. And, you know, it just to see another player break on the scene like that. And, you know, maybe when Jefferson, who was from that same LSU offense, completely broke football last year, we should have thought that the more productive receiver on that same offense might also break football a little bit. <laughs> one thing one thing I'm noticing, though, is that he's still outside the top 20 wide receivers in expected fantasy points. So he's doing a lot of this on insane efficiency. But insane efficiency, like 7.9 fantasy points over expected, number one in the NFL, usually leads to even more opportunity especially if you're trying to bury a team like the New York Jets. So I love Chase, even at his higher salary. I will play Mixon because he's projected as the RB7, his salary is the RB7, and his ownership is the RB9. There's nothing taking me away from playing him, although he doesn't look just, he doesn't look perfect on paper. There, It's still a solid play on paper, so I'm definitely not going to avoid it by any means. It's these secondary receivers that I'm kind of confused about. T. Higgins is popping in some of the metrics that I look at. Uh, I was looking at 4 for 4's breakout receiver model, which I helped their data science team work on over there. And he is one of our breakout options. And so that obviously got my attention. He's His expected fantasy points are actually higher than Chase's at 14.5 expected fantasy points. Um, but he's performed below expectations. So at wide receiver 28, 5,200 on DraftKings, I'll have some shots there when I'm not playing Chase. I may even play some stacks as well. You know, it's funny when it comes to the Jets. They're another one of those teams, Matt, where it's like their run defense isn't atrocious, but so often they're just going to funnel teams to the to the run, right? Mm -hmm. it, 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 feels, it feels that way quite often. Now, they've had a bye week already, but they're still top 10 in carries allowed by opponents. They've allowed 11 rushing touchdowns because the offense is never on the field. Maybe it's true. May, I mean, listen, I, I do still think that Mixon's the guy here. Like, I, I don't really see why Samaji Pirine would be getting heavily involved unless, and I'm not saying he's awful, but unless they're just trying to conserve Mixon because the guy's been banged up. And that is a possibility. It really is. That worries me a little bit against New York, but what's Mixon's ownership right now? It can't be high. It's not high. I believe it's yeah, 10%, 10% ninth among running backs. As a 10.5-point favorite? Yeah, that's that's not that high. It's really not. Do you like anything from the Jets? Uh, I hate to say that Michael Carter is uh, popping a little bit. I don't think he's the worst play. 
Yeah, it feels it feels icky, doesn't it? At forty nine hundred, you could definitely do worse. He's 29th among running backs in salary. His projection on on Osmo.com is inside the top twenty running backs. And I was looking at that metric DraftKings per expected per expected fantasy points. And boy, you could do a lot worse than Michael Carter. He's in the top ten overall players in that value metric. We said at some point that we thought the Jets were going to turn over this offense. They probably want to protect Mike White, the passer, because what even is Mike White, the passer? So if you're going to bet on anyone, you're probably betting on the guy who just needs to get a handoff. And the most talented one in that backfield is definitely Carter. Well, and listen, Mike White, when he was installed as the starter after that Wilson injury, he targeted his running backs 48.5% of the time, Matt a pretty big number and it could be the case today where he's just trying to get the ball out throwing to his running backs michael carter saw a, a, a career well and season and career high in targets uh career high in snaps he saw i'm pretty sure he saw 20 total looks in that game so sure that might have been yeah 20 total looks. maybe that was an outlier but I still see this as a spot where, and, and yes, Ty Johnson actually is getting some goal line work along with Michael Carter, but eventually in a season like this, I'd want to see get as much as I can from Michael Carter and see what I have. I think you continue to see him get more work. Is he an exciting play? No, you, you mentioned it. It feels kind of gross, but if he's the guy that's getting a lot of targets out of the backfield and he's going to be in there getting carries when they're running the football, it's not the craziest idea. Just not a ton of touchdown equity there. Right. And you still need 15 fantasy points for him to hit three X value. So you're saying we need a touchdown, but there's not a high chance of touchdowns because he's getting goal line work taken away. So now he needs to get a ton of dump offs. Yes, it's possible. Yeah. It's not, not the craziest idea. All right, Jordan, I think it's time to shout out everybody that has made the awesome hall of fame over the past few days. And we've had some monster ones including our own Adam Share, who you'll see on the NBA Strategy Show, NBA Deeper Dive, all of that good stuff. And I say, uh, well, let's roll it, fella. If you haven't done so yet and you want to be involved, you want to get the shout out when you win that tournament, you want to get your free month of Awesome Plus Platinum, $90 value, just go to awesomeo.com. Just go to, it's all you got to do, awesomeo.com slash uh, avatar. Follow the steps. Use that avatar, whether it's DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, doesn't matter. Use that. If you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more, or prize picks, if they have fields of 5,000 or more, or prize picks, uh, which they don't, uh, because it's, it doesn't work like that. I'm done. Uh, but anyway, any of these, field of 5,000 or more, top three, and you will tweet us at AwesomeOHOF, at Awesome Hall of Fame. And, well, you get a free month, and we'll shout you out, of course, right here, as we're doing right now. Look at that. Ship my money. Our boy Adam Share, 100K up top. Beautiful takedown. Follow that man's advice when it comes to NBA. Read his deep dive. It's totally free every day of the week. Best article you're going to find. Congrats to our boy Adam. He gets a free month. And uh, T.O. Deck says, Steve Buzzard, nice lineup. Glad you decided to share and not take it solo with one of those 10 lineups you had in the top 20. Let's share a bigger one next time. Boom, T.O. Deck, we love this guy. Always hanging out with us. Right there, $3,183. Boom, I'm assuming that was a showdown slate. Milk with 18 eyes. 
$500 in the 4K Mini Max. Love it. And you can do this with nickel, quarter, doesn't matter. As long as you're top three in a field of 5,000 or more, you still win. We don't discriminate against stakes here. Who else do we have? Christopher, five or $5,900 on $59 entered. That's huge. And then to close this out, Spuffer. Thanks, Fantasy Cruncher, for the tools to succeed. Big thanks to uh, JRH and Slim Cliffy for some final affirmation from the strategy show. Damn, 26K on the NF NHL kick save. Last one, Death Flower, $100,000 UFC. All sports mixed in here, baby. We got tools for all of them. Congrats to everybody. Tweet us your wins at Osmo HOF. Use that avatar and let us show it off for you. All right, Matt, now that I'm winded, let's talk about the next game. San Francisco, <laughs> Chicago. What are you doing with Eli Mitchell? Uh, we're playing him. We're playing him. 5,400 on DraftKings, RB17 in salary. And yes, 11% ownership is it's creeping up there. But it's not enough for me to say I'm absolutely not playing him here. Yes, it's a low total game. But Mitchell does look pretty darn dynamic here. Uh, I'm ab absolutely fine going again, going with Mitchell here. I just don't know what to expect with this San Francisco offense overall. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I guess, is is already named the starter here. Trey Lance may come back, which actually lowers the rushing touchdown upside for all of the running backs a little bit because he certainly is part of their goal line package. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not I'm not excited about Jamichael Hasty. I'm not excited about Trey Sermon. And I do think San Francisco has a really good chance to pull this game out. So in a positive game script, Mitchell definitely is a it's on the list for sure. He's got to be. And uh, Debo Samuel's got to be someone we consider as well, because from a volume standpoint, he's been getting a ton of it, Matt. I mean, he has been the clear go-to option for Jimmy Garoppolo, hands down, no doubt about it. Double-digit targets in, what, four games this year? He doesn't have a game with fewer than eight targets either. He's been looked upon a ton in an offense that doesn't pass the ball all that often. I'm not saying he's a, a priority play this week, but I will say that when it comes to Debo Samuel, I'm never going to try and convince you not to play this guy. And uh, ownership is coming in around 16.5%. So it appears that other people feel the same. Yeah, that's really what it is. San Francisco is low in terms of team combined expected fantasy points, but they're not so low you can't play them. You know, they're not the Philadelphia Eagles who right now are in the bottom yep. of the NFL in team expected fantasy points. That's non-quarterback, by the way. Debo Samuel is looking great this week. Wide receiver six in salary is a little bit high at 7,400 on DraftKings. And the ownership is creeping up there 16.5% in our latest ownership projection run. That's wide receiver two. But I don't see any way where he doesn't just get peppered with targets here. Wide receiver two in terms of our projections this week. He's wide receiver four in expected fantasy points. And he's almost five fantasy points over expected per game this year is third amongst all wide receiver. He's up there with cup and Jamar chase as the most efficient wide receivers this season. Now, some might say, well, that's a regression candidate, a regression candidate. But I think with this game plan that the 49ers have right now, they have to get their main playmakers involved, especially with Kittle out of the lineup. I think Debo Samuel has a really solid game this weekend. I just have no problem getting to a player that is going to see, you know, the lion's share, or I should, should at least say that he is getting more targets than anyone in this team week in and week out. And 
when you're getting guys like that at a reasonable price point, Debo Samuel's not priced up a ton uh, and is also a red zone threat. I'm there with it. But the crazy thing too, Matt, is like you have, you look at some of these wide receivers this week, you have DJ Moore and a similar price point, uh, Jamar Chase at a similar price point, uh, Debo Samuel, all of these guys price pretty similarly. So that could be the difference maker when it comes to, to which one of these mid range guys ends up popping off. But yeah. anyway, Khalil Herbert. I, I, yeah. Ahead. I wanted to add that that is a tier that I'm probably going to be attacking in tournaments, trying to stack two of that tier and not necessarily prioritizing the super premium tier in every tournament roster. Uh, yes. The variability of the position means that sometimes only one or even zero will hit, but the ceiling is so high for that that 74, 7,500 tier of wide receivers. I feel like Khalil Herbert deserves some respect, Matt. He's different than David Montgomery. Right? He racks up a lot more yards before contact. Montgomery's an after-contact kind of guy. Uh, the numbers bear that out thus far, and it's certainly not the offensive line that's helping him out. But he now has is averaging over 20 looks per game over the last three weeks. Damian Harris returned from the COVID-19 list and it didn't matter. Like he was relegated to a pure backup role. Khalil Herbert it looks to be the starter right now while David Montgomery continues to sit. Uh, I do know that he is eligible to return this week, but given all of the, the lack of news and the fact that Herbert's played this well, I don't see why they do so. If Herbert ends up becoming way lesser owned than a lot of these other like five to $5,500 running backs, this will be a place I go to against the middle of the road, San Francisco run defense, low scoring projected game. I get that, but this volume is huge on Herbert, man. And if you're projecting as many touches and looks that he's getting over the past three weeks this week, or at least close, right? He should be more than 5,400. So I'll have a little bit of Herbert, especially if he's low owned. Yeah. 5,400 for 22 or 23 opportunities. Yeah, Any right. running back is really good. Crazy. And the dude, the dude hit against Tampa Bay. He had a hundred yard back. game against them. They never give up hundred yard games. That's impressive. And I love guys like these as a fan, 32nd pick of the sixth round. And you got to remember too, that end of the sixth round, seventh round, that is not usually an area where teams are prioritizing running backs because Tons of undrafted free agent running backs tend to hit. You know, they, it's really hard to actually separate a late sixth round pick from a UDFA at that point. But the Bears, say what you will about them as an organization, prioritize the picking of the 5'9", 210 pound Khalil Herbert, and all he's done is impress. So I don't know how you could say I'm going away from him at, at this point when, he, when he's had two straight games of excellent production. He now ranks inside the top 30 in expected fantasy points, but his salary is just inside the top 20. I really see a player who the field is underrating, doesn't believe in, who could absolutely just capture the entire backfield and even carve out a role after David Montgomery eventually comes back here. I think he will. I, I, I don't see why he shouldn't. At this point, I think Herbert has been maybe the bright spot of this entire Bears offense because – the passing game is just the most frustrating, terrible mess I have seen all season. It's just, it won't always be as bad as it was last week against Tampa Bay. But the fact that it can be that bad just tells you all you need. 
this is I want really I want nothing to do with the pass catchers here, Matt. And I and I won't even dignify it with a with an explanation at this point. I really think we can move on. We know what Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney should be able to do, but even outside the top 30 in salary, you really just don't need to go there unless you're just being hyper contrarian. And you don't need to. There's 12 games. There's other ways to be contrarian, right? And uh, Khalil Herbert might be one of them. I'm okay with that. We'll see where his ownership settles in at. But let's talk about Tampa and New Orleans. And, uh, hey, hit the, what are we? We're 91 likes here, 264 watching, nine likes to get to 100. Only takes a second. If you haven't, if you haven't done so, I know. You just forgot. It wasn't intentional. But we'd greatly appreciate it. All right, Matt, Tampa Bay and the New Orleans Saints. Saints coming up. What an ugly victory that was. What a terrible game to watch. But when you bet on these games and when you have DFS lineups, you'll watch it all the way through. Shit, dude, I was I was up till you know, midnight again, you know, get up with an infant the next day. And I think, wow, I'm so tired, but why from watching Seattle and new Orleans? Like, <laughs> why did I do this to myself? Camaro was awesome though. He is going to Manny cast to- makes it tolerable for me. I I'm enjoying that. It's nice. It's fun. They, they, I wasn't huge on it at first. I'm a creature of habit, but I've come around for sure. Tampa Bay, especially is just, when the game gets ugly. Yeah. Right. Tampa Bay is electric. Antonio Brown has like a heel strain or something wild or a strain near his heel, whatever. He was on crutches. There's no way he's playing this week. We still have him projected in. So keep that in mind. If you're looking at our ownership, but he ain't playing uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans has had some battles with Lattimore over the years. Lattimore's pissed him off because he's kept him from producing. Actually remember he got that, that uh, kicked out of a game before for him and James doing some stupid shit, but Mostly Jameis tickling his neck, or he did something that was really odd. Oh, yeah. Right? Remember that? that Vaguely. Yeah. Par for the course with Jameis, but still, really weird. I don't know, man. I I think now at this point, Mike Evans is just such a monster in the red zone, and he's got Brady throwing him the ball that I'm not sure how much it matters. Godwin has is tied for the most red zone targets in the league with Cooper Cup. This team just scores points. And then you've got Leonard Fournette, who's the clear lead back there. So I know the Saints defense is very good, but Tampa Bay might be able to match that with their potent offense. What do you say? Yeah, I kind of like these situations where there's all these narratives and the one-on-one matchup of Lattimore versus Evans is something that people are hyper-focused on when, in general, I tend to fade all the noise about the same color jerseys playing each other year after year yes these two players happen to be specifically the same player but i'm not going to fade mike evans when he's the wide receiver eight in expected fantasy points and he's the wide receiver eight in salary and he's the wide receiver 20 in projected ownership there's nothing saying move away from this spot here and then at the macro level when you know what the tampa bay offense is capable of with tom brady at the helm with him trying to push his own his own legacy, really. He's trying to beat his 2007 season in terms of overall production. I swear he is. <laughs> I'm not going away from Mike Evans just because he had a big game last week. I don't care that the projections have him outside the top 15 wide receivers. I understand why they are there this week, but I'm just not. I'm just not saying. I'm not writing him off. I'm just simply not writing him off. Tampa Bay, number one in team expected fantasy points and team total fantasy points. I'll play them all. I I like Godwin as well. I think Gronkowski returns as well. All of them 
are in play at their salary. Absolutely. You think he plays? I saw that he returned to practice. He's in our projections currently. That Okay. Yeah, limited fashion. We'll see. Either way, this is one of those games where people tend to maybe overreact to how good a defense is uh, when an offense is playing this well. Maybe it'll go the other way around. But to pretend that Brady can't have a big game in this spot, I think that would be ill-advised. So uh, based on based on what the ownership comes in at, it probably dictate a lot of my decisions. Like, let's say they're really popular. If they're really popular, then I don't mind getting to other spots and better matchups because the Saints, I do have respect for them and that front and that, and that pass rush and their ability to stop the run. You name it. But we'll see. Right now, Mike Evans is coming in like sub 7%. Uh, Chris Godwin is at 10%. But Matt, once we account for Antonio Brown being out, that's going to change. change. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, happen. I will say right now, the way it's looking, because there are more appealing options in that 7K salary tier that Evans is in, I think Evans is an excellent late pivot, uh, a late swap option. If your 1 p.m.s don't go well, if that projected ownership stays down, we know what the ceiling performance looks like for Evans. Not saying it's going to happen, but especially with people sort of fading it after last week, I think I would like that a lot. What do you think about Alvin Kamara here against a, a run defense that has been a stifling presence this season, unless you're Khalil Herbert, of course, but the, the usage of Alvin Kamara last week, boy, did that make me happy? I, it's crazy that Sean Payton, finally they, the Seahawks adjusted like halfway through the second half, but Alvin Kamara car, it just absolutely torched them as a pass catcher. 10 for 128. It felt like he gained 10 plus yards on every reception, Matt. Uh, he was open in the red zone down near the 10 yard line. Like everything you could have asked for from Alvin Kamara as a pass catcher that we've been begging for all season long. We finally saw, and now he has 19 targets and 179 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns over his last two games. Are they finally figuring out that using Alvin Kamara the way they used Alvin Kamara last year might actually be a boon to their success this year, especially <laughs> given that Jameis is a quarterback? Yeah, well, what do you know? Getting the ball to Alvin Kamara is doing good things yeah. for the New Orleans Saints offense. I can be a coach, too. Uh, <laughs> the Yeah, the bottom line is Alvin Kamara getting the ball in space is still one of the most lethal plays in football. It's that simple. We don't need to make it overly complicated. And I was wondering last night, we already mentioned the Manning cast once, was Tom Brady staying up to chill on that show with them because he knew he had the Saints next week. And so he's figuring, I got to watch this film anyway. Might as well just stay up with these guys and watch it. Kill two birds with one stone, make an appearance. But yeah, I think Alvin Kamara is probably getting underrated based on the fact that it's the Tampa Bay defense. We can't play running backs against Tampa Bay. One of the really interesting things I noticed, again, with that value metric, drafting salary per expected fantasy points, Alvin Kamara is the number one overall value play using that metric here. So I think the salary of 8,700 might seem high to some, certainly not for me. I'll also say this. Number two and number three in that same value metric I just mentioned are also New Orleans Saints, Marquez Calloway and Kenny Stills. Now, does that make them priority plays all of a sudden? No. But when they pop in a metric like that, 
it certainly puts them on the list, especially as the Tampa Bay defense has proved susceptible against opposing passing offenses. Matt, when it comes to the rest of New Orleans, is there anything that we can be even remotely excited about right now? Because to me, the obvious answer is no, but maybe there's something that you're willing to, you know, scratch the bottom of the barrel for the only, and, and I know that this is a pass funnel defense in Tampa Bay. I get all of that, but I still don't think you're going to see Winston open it up. And if he does, like, what do you look, what are you really looking for? Especially now that Traquan Smith is back, it just makes it even worse. Oh, it's tougher for sure. And I think that uncertainty will push the ownership on all of those wide receiver options, all of the non Camara options in new Orleans way, way down. And it is the fact that this is a super high total game, that there is a, there is a non-zero chance. Good Jameis shows up. That is enough to boost one of these wide receivers. I will have a little bit of Marquez Calloway. I might sprinkle in some Kenny Stills and some Traquan Smith. I'm not saying the most likely outcome is them scoring 20, 20 plus fantasy points here, but I do see the potential, especially with this kind of game environment. Uh, Calloway is at nine expected fantasy points. That's not spectacular, but at 5400, I think I can I can play him and figure things out from there. After that, though, I mean, it's really tough. Traquan in just his second game back, that's definitely a a large field tournament play only. It's just that if you're going to beat Tampa Bay, you're probably, or even stay close with Tampa Bay, you're going to have to pass on them. They're going to find ways to get Alvin Kamara the ball in space. I'm telling you right now, they have to. It's their only they chance. They should, yeah. They have to. Is he a priority for you this week? Just quick answer, and then we can move on. But, like, is Kamara a priority or no? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure people get worried about that Tampa Bay matchup, but big things can happen when you're Alvin Kamara. Matt, New England, the LA Chargers. This could be a fun game, as a matter of fact. And the total actually a little bit higher than I had originally expected. I think we're at what 48 and a half on this one. So okay. Mac Jones coming off a solid game. That team beat the shit out of the Jets last week, dropped 50 <laughs> plus on them. This is a slightly more difficult matchup, okay? And, and that's exactly why they're five-and-a-half-point road dogs. Jacoby Myers still hasn't scored at the NFL level. Damian Harris is coming off a big game, and the Chargers' biggest weakness has actually been their run defense. Do you like anything? Can we get to, to maybe Damian Harris again, or do we, do we run out Jacoby Myers? Do we say Hunter Henry's viable, or even maybe Jonu Smith, who doesn't run a ton of routes, but when he does – Actually, he leads the team in, in red zone targets this season uh, among everybody. So he's dirt cheap as well. I think there's some spots here you just got to pick wisely. Yeah, I don't hate anybody here. But if there's one that doesn't really stick out to me as very appealing, it's actually Harris. I, I don't know. Yes, beating the Chargers usually involves getting the running backs involved. But I think that the way the game flow works out, that they could continue to use three running backs. And I just don't think that we're going to see as many high value, AKA goal line touches this week for Harris. I think you'll see Brandon Bolden and JJ Taylor continue to be involved, particularly in the passing game, which they're going to have to rely on because I think Justin Herbert and company are going to bring it offensively. Hey, it was great to see the Patriots able to score that many points. It's great to see that offense capable of doing that. I just don't think that's going to happen every single week. I'll probably continue to play Jacoby Myers and get burned because he has no touchdown upside. 
But when I see a player projected for wide receiver 14, and then he's at wide receiver 30 in salary, I can't not play him, especially when his ownership is kind of middling. 11% isn't that bad. But beyond that point, man, the, the tight ends, because there's two of them, they both feel iffy. I like the red zone stat, and because he's a lot cheaper, 2,800 on DraftKings, Jonu Smith is a little bit more appealing, but hey, Hunter Henry scores every game, so why are we moving away? Still, just 8.5 expected fantasy points per game. That's really nothing. It's really not. I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, if, you if, if, if Hunter Henry's ownership comes up, um, I would honestly just rather take a significant discount and go to Johnny Smith, 2,800, you know, he's, he's $1,400 less expensive. I, I don't like Johnny Smith this week, but he's dirt cheap and he actually has some touchdown upside because he's been targeted a lot in the red zone. So I, there's one of those spots where I don't really even look at snap counts or any of that. I look at when he's running around, how often is he targeted? And it's been enough to, you know, that rogue two touchdown game from John U. Smith at 2,800 is not entirely out of the question. Yeah, it's uh, not. All right. Again, Matt, cheap. Like, it's this isn't a ringing endorsement. It's just, if anything, hey, look, Hunter Henry isn't getting targeted that much. He just happened to score in four straight games. That's all. What are you doing with the, with the Chargers this week from Eckler to Williams to Keenan Allen to Jared Cook? All of these guys just a ton of options every week that we kind of have to sift through in LA. Yeah. I'm hoping that people are down on them because they had a poor performance against the Ravens before their bye week. But I love Austin Eckler, uh, even though the expected fantasy points compared to his RB three salary isn't perfect. I think we could still see a monster performance from him. His 5.9 fantasy points over expected is first among all running backs. Still Mike Williams. Yes. He's been kind of, Lucky in the touchdown department, but the big play upside is still certainly there. His projection is a little bit below salary-based expectations, so he is not my favorite at 7,700. It's all about Keenan Allen in terms of the value play, though. 6,500 for a player in expected fantasy points who is right in line with Mike Williams. <laughs> Allen is wide receiver 10. Williams is wide receiver 9. The difference is fantasy points versus expected, and that comes down to touchdowns usually i think we see some positive touchdown regression for keenan allen in the second half of the season i'll even play jared cook here his projections inside the top 10 tight ends and his salaries outside the top 15 so I, I like it there one other place i'll look chargers defense after the patriots put up 54 points we could see a big reversion it's still a rookie quarterback there's still that uh turnover up potential for Mac Jones and the Chargers defense has been one of the best in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. That's harder for opposing offenses this season. Keenan Allen's still averaging 10 targets per game around, you know, yeah. it just, when you talk about the touchdown regression on a team that, that will score as frequently uh, and as efficiently as Justin Herbert's chargers will, it will happen. What does Keenan Allen have one touchdown on the season? I believe I so. Yeah. That can't not... last. There's no way that lasts. He's exactly. He's got 10 red zone targets in six games too. He's still top 10. Uh, yeah. He's top 10 in the entire league in red zone targets, Matt, among every position. It, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a great call. That's not lasting forever. Lock it up. Three touchdowns for Keenan Allen this week. <laughs> right. Let's say no, that. I'm That'd be great.
God, how crazy would it be if Keenan Allen and Jacoby Myers scored in the same game? Wow. What do we The drink? world might end. Yeah. Some really nice scotch or something. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Matt, I know you love Odd Shopper as much as I do because we've been using it a ton. Uh, using the expected win rate, the XROI, finding our best bets by clicking like one or two buttons, which is what's so nice. You can find your bet in under 30 seconds. I figure before we close out these last two games, we got to talk about Odd Shopper and give our favorite bet of the week. Now, I like finding them through Odd Shopper using expected win rate, but expected ROI is a thing as well. You have the prop, uh, the, the player or the prop party parlay where we put together the best parlay for you with the best ex expected win rate and ROI without you having to do a thing. Uh, and really the coolest part outside of us giving you these tools based on our own projections is that we'll tell you, hey, here is the best book to get the best price on this. Because just like anything else, you're buying a car, you're buying anything, you're going to go and try and get the cheapest one available. It's the same thing with betting. Take, on take advantage of that. If you're getting... Like, okay, for example, for tonight's game, you have Aaron Rodgers, 57 and a half rushing yards over on DraftKings at minus 115. But if you don't like the over, you can go to FanDuel and we'll find this for you. Put it right there. Show you the best bet. Under 59 and a half at minus 113. So you're getting the additional yards and the under there. Just a million different ways to go about it. It's such a cool site. It's totally free. Matt, what's your favorite bet here coming up for this week? Oh, gosh. Sorry, Bears fans. Justin Fields under 29 and a half rushing yards right now. Looks like a or passing win yards. Percent. Oof. Or passing yards. Under 29. Yeah. 67% win rate there. Looks pretty solid to me. Two thirds of the time he goes under 30 yards there. Yeah. I'll take that. I like it, man. I like it. I'm going to go uh, tonight. Mercedes Lewis under two and a half receptions because we talked about this on the show today for Thursday night football. One thing we saw is that when Devontae Adams was out last year, they ran a lot of 21 personnel, a lot of two running back sets and yes, a decent amount of 12 personnel, but Mercedes Lewis was basically just blocking. This is the type of guy that I don't see his target share increasing at all. Maybe he gets one or two targets, maybe two. But to get him to three receptions seems like a lot for tonight. So I'll take the under on that. Best bet is over at FanDuel. Thanks to Odd Shopper. Check that stuff out. You'll love it. Oddshopper.com. All right, Matt, let's wrap it up. Two of the lowest total games on the slate. We are at Washington and Denver. Two bad football teams for the most part. Do you like anything from Washington? I loved McLaurin last week at sub 5% ownership, but I'm, I'm kind of off most of Washington this week, unless there's something you can convince me of. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. These are two teams that don't really push the tempo and don't really pass more than the average team that often. If you look at our advanced stats, so they're kind of middling in both adjusted rush rate and adjusted pace rate. So then you talk about the fact that the Denver defense and the Washington defense are probably better than the opposing offenses. And that's how you get a super low 44 point total. Taylor Heineke is popping in our projections as a top 12 quarterback on the slate, although he's QB 17 in salary, so he doesn't look terrible here. I don't like playing running backs with broken legs, so Antonio Gibson tends to be downgraded for me. I'm not saying the ceiling game is impossible here, and he's 12th in expected fantasy points, but it just feels like he's a thinner play than he would be in this offense 
even if he were, you know, if you were healthy, he would be a thin play. But now just including the injury, it's really tough. Terry McLaurin is the one where his projection is outside the top 12 wide receivers on the week, but he's wide receiver four in salary. So we're not saying you cannot play him in tournaments, but with Denver ranking among the top three defenses in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed in the NFL, it is a really, really tough matchup for wide receiver ones. So the only people I'm really thinking about, the auxiliary weapons here, Ricky Seals Jones, tight end six in our projections, tight end 11 in salary, fine, I'll play it. And J.D. McKissick continues to get work in the passing game, 5,100 on DraftKings. No one really wants to play him at 2.2% ownership. And, you know, I, I just think that when you have a quarterback under duress, you often look for your outlet options. McKissick has been clearly the more involved pass catcher. So that pretty much sums it up for Washington, not playing their auxiliary weapons. On, what about Denver? Yeah, with Denver, man, this is tough too because – Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are essentially splitting the expected fantasy points of the backfield 50-50 exactly. 11.5 expected fantasy points per game for Williams and 10.7 for Gordon, both outside the top 20 running backs. You still would love to see Williams eventually take over this backfield, but how can you predict that for this week? For that reason, though, I will have a little bit of him, especially at 2.1% ownership. The only player I'm really excited to get to, and even though the projections don't look great, it's Cortland Sutton. I just think he has 20-point upside here against the Washington defense that quietly has really regressed over the last few weeks, This really the whole 2021 season. They are dead last in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. So I think Teddy Bridgewater and Cortland Sutton find a connection that they certainly did not have for most of the last Thursday. And I'll play him in tournaments for sure. Jerry Judy also back. I think that's good for the offense overall. Man, that one that that one-handed over the defender grab that Cortland Sutton had for like what was it, 50 yards last week was gorgeous. He's a stud. He's a stud. Absolutely. But where do you just, think he ranks in deep targets this year? I know Teddy Bridgewater's his quarterback, but where do you think he ranks in deep targets? Is he top 10 like he should be? First. First. Well, at least they're doing something rational. Exactly. He should be first in deep targets. He should. Well, I mean, sure. Whether we could throw a bunch of players into that conversation, but yes, you're right. Like, there's no reason Cortland Sutton shouldn't be because when you throw him those balls, look what he's capable. Look what he did last week on a ball that 99% of the league doesn't catch. You know, he's awesome. And they need to keep getting in the ball downfield. But that's the type of stuff I want to see. I, I want to see that, first of all, you can use him anywhere. But the fact that we know he's probably going to get two, three deep balls, like legit deep balls, e targets every single game, that just opens things up to the point where he can really have those explosive performances. You know, you know this, Matt, but you're never going to have to convince me to play Cortland Sutton ever. I, I like this guy a lot. I have no faith in Washington's defense to be imposing by any stretch this week. So Cortland Sutton's the guy for me as well. I know Judy's returning, but he's been out for a while. Sutton, Sutton's still the guy. So uh, I think I'm that's just there. good for Sutton more than it is sure. a downgrade to anything else. It just means yeah. they have to pay more attention to good receivers. Yeah, and like fan, it hurts fans Tim players. Patrick, but other than that, who's it really hurt, right? Not right. Sutton. I don't have anything else for Denver. Do you? Yeah, just want to mention Noah Fant's name. Definitely can play him at 4,900 on DraftKings. Projection right in line with salary-based expectations. All right, man. Wrapping this up, 
everyone has almost survived the matchup marathon show. We got 300 watching. I got a stretch. Usually I wait till, you know, after the show, we both rip, but just a huge stretch. Get the blood circulating again. Might have to go do some push-ups after this or something because <laughs> it gets to you for sure. But uh, that's why we love you guys hanging with us through all of it. We got to close it out with this last game, though, because despite having one of the lowest totals on the slate, I still like James Robinson a ton this week, Matt. And maybe we're on different pages of this one, but I'll tell you, I'll say this much. He's $6,600. I think it's a very reasonable price point. Carlos Hyde, and he's only and he's only getting like 10% ownership right now. Carlos Hyde didn't see a single carry last week. This is a guy who led the, the, the team in carries in week one, then was conservatively used on the ground through the, five, the next three weeks that he was healthy. Last week, he didn't even get a carry. He had one target that he didn't catch. James Robinson is the clear, undisputed lead back right now in, in Jacksonville. And Seattle's offense has been so bad with Geno Smith at the helm they're really going to struggle to move the football. Jacksonville's defense isn't good, but they're also not an atrocity. And we've seen them actually step up to the plate in many instances with a decent enough pass rush to make life difficult. I think this game stays close. I think you get another 20 touches from James Robinson, who has 21 looks, 19, 20, 21 looks over his last four games. The volume is there. The matchup works. Seattle's defense has been suspect at best this year. And I think they'll use him out of the backfield, too, after seeing how New Orleans schemed Kamara. He's not Kamara, but how New Orleans schemed Kamara open on so many opportunities. I really like Robinson at 6,600. Hey, well said, my friend. We are on the same page for sure here. And a very eloquent, I should add there. But <laughs> honestly, this there's That's a That's very gratuitous of you, Matt. This game has shootout potential in a different way than we typically see. Often it's about quality offenses that score a lot or quarterbacks that are capable of hitting on deep passes. But in this case, these are two defenses that may not be able to get off the field. And even if the offenses aren't that special and everyone just, you know, RIP to the game that would be if Russell Wilson were healthy, because I'm sure we'd be talking about all the Seattle stacks in the world. But ultimately, this is a game where... Both teams rank in the bottom seven in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses, meaning that these two middling offenses might get a chance to have those series, those four downs, extended an extra dry, an extra bit for those drives, and then scoring more on top of that. So James Robinson at 6,600 on DraftKings, the ninth running back in terms of salary. Our projections are way ahead of that. And his expected fantasy points, even on the Jaguars, is right there with salary-based expectations. No problem playing that, uh, playing Robinson this week. I'll have a little bit of Marvin Jones. And, and Matt, real Levis quick, Fischer. he's only 10%, yeah. which is kind of crazy at that price point. Yeah, yeah. This is an easy go. I think he's one of the better value plays. And then when there's not a lot of ownership, it almost doesn't make sense. I just am going to have more of him in tournaments for that reason. Um, but I'll play a little bit of this passing game too here. I'm not expecting huge things, but Marvin Jones is up inside the top 20 amongst wide receivers and expected fantasy points. So his wide receiver 19 salary is fine by me. And Chenault, you know, I guess that he is a 4,700 salary kind of player, but his variability is really intriguing for me in terms of tournament play. I know that he has huge upside against a pretty poor defense. I'm probably not getting to a lot of 
Jamal Agnew. I will play a little bit of Dan Arnold simply because he's 2,800 and he's on the field for a football team. But really, that's it for the Jaguars offense. Wrap us up, Matt. Seattle. I mean, we talk about the Jaguars in this game having some potential, and we only got a couple minutes to go here. But Geno Smith, it's been ugly. 12-game slate. Uh, I heard you say that Metcalf would have been your one alternate alternate captain on the showdown slate. I was with you. It was basically Kamara or Metcalf. Uh, obviously, you wanted Kamara. Unfortunately, I had a decent amount. But Metcalf is just that type of guy that even if he doesn't have a good quarterback, Lockett oftentimes will rely on, like, his big games have been those, all those deep balls this year from, from, from Russell Wilson. But even so, I mean, how do you approach this offense for Seattle? Yeah, it's probably a stay away option on a, on a 12 game slate like this. It was weird to see Geno Smith's projection, I guess, because of a rushing upside and the fact that he's playing the Jaguars who are pretty inept on defense. He has a QB eight in projection. I'm not buying it. I'm not going to go there. Uh, I, I just, I guess, I guess you could do worse, but these receiving options are in turmoil right now. As you said, I think it takes much more for Lockett to be on the same page with his quarterback because of the deep passes he needs to receive yep. to really have a ceiling performance. And that's why he relies a little bit more on Russell Wilson than Metcalf does. Uh, but we still don't really like it. Metcalf 6,800 wide receiver 10 on the slate. So really it comes down to, does Alex Collins get enough touches to be appealing at 5,300? Do you think Rashad Penny suddenly takes over more in this backfield? I certainly don't. Or do you play Gerald Everett at 3,300 on DraftKings when I think there are more appealing options at 2,800? And you could really do, uh, do something with that extra salary saved there by going to somebody else. I really don't know. The only thing I will say is that the Seahawks defense has a pretty solid projection Although I really don't like playing uh, any sort of defense that has five or more percent ownership. Seven is okay. I could see a ceiling game for the Seahawks defense, even though they're not very good. Would you play the Jaguars defense at 2,400? Uh, Problem is they're getting ownership. So I'd rather just That's the part I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, man. In cash, sure, maybe. But no, no. What am I saying? No. I just talked myself out of it. That was easy. <laughs> That'll do it for us. Follow Matt at Draftaholic. Check out all his work here at Awesomeo. And, uh, well, me at Laffy underscore D. L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Tell you, you get spent after this. I had a show right before this. If you're playing tonight, showdown strategy show already happened. NBA strategy show already happened. Deeper dive live before lock and then NFL live before lock coming up later in the day. Just a ton of shit happening here at Awesome Hit that thumbs up before you go. Subscribe and join if you want to become part of the team. Actually, wait for next time so we can give you a shout out because I'm about to bounce and eat some food. <laughs> and then say thanks to Jordan Klein with a K. Always here, producing, putting in the work, doing a phenomenal job as always. There it is, the head shake. And thanks to you guys for watching. Matt, we made it through the Matchup Marathon Show Week 8. Back for Week 9 next Thursday, huh? Yes, sir. It's fun as always. Thank you all for chilling with us. Peace. See ya.